So this month, we are focusing on sharing our stories of faith, and this is uh, a new focus for the whole rest of the year, show and tell, as we are maturing and growing in intimacy with Jesus Christ so that we become like him, and the show and tell part of that is really, really essential. And as we think of sharing our stories of faith, I have to tell you, I think the Catholics are better at this than we are. I have this devotional, some of you know, that I use every day, and it has a selection of things uh, mostly designed for Catholics. It's daily prayer for today's Catholic. But anyway, it's a really good devotional book, and I love it. And one of the things I've learned uh, that I appreciate about it is that every single day, it has one page telling the story of someone from early times to the present times who's really living their faith and living out a life that looks like Jesus. Very diverse people. And it's drawn from this book called Blessed Among Us. So they pull one of the stories out of there. And this author, his name is Robert Ellsberg, he says that there aren't really that many people that have been designated officially as saints. And yet that there are all kinds of people who are living the new life in Christ. Some of them are just ordinary people with extraordinary lives. This last Thursday, the focus was on a man named Alexander Schmorl. Have you ever heard of Martyrs of the White Rose? I hadn't either until I heard about them through this devotional book that I'm in. Alexander Schmorl is just one of them. There's several young adults. This is 1943 in Germany, Nazi Germany. And Alexander actually was born in Russia. He grew up in the Russian Orthodox Church. He was very steeped in the narrative of Jesus Christ in that particular tradition. They moved, migrated to Germany in the 20s because of the Bolsheviks. And as he grew up as a teenager, that's when Hitler came to power. Uh, and there was a certain point where he and his friends uh, at the university in Munich, they, uh, they decided to stand up and speak out against the euthanasia of Hitler. And at this point, the death camps were already in full swing, and there were very few organized resistance movements that spoke out against what Hitler was doing. Of course, it was very risky. So they published these leaflets anonymously. They distributed them anonymously, and they were called the White Rose. So by the time the sixth one was published, uh, Nazi Germany obviously had picked up on the fact that they were doing this and arrested some of those students, and then eventually Alexander was arrested as well. And they were all executed. He was one of the last ones. But he wrote letters when he was in prison to his family. And in that time, he let them know that he had a peace, even knowing that he was condemned to death and that he was going to die, because he knew that he had served the truth. And in the very last letter, he said this, just before his execution, he wrote his family, never forget God. Something about his life steeped in the narrative of Jesus Christ gave him a bravery, a freedom to speak truth to power, to give his life fully to that truth. 
Kurt, in his opening call to worship, he quoted the words of Jesus, and these are difficult words. When Jesus said, if you would save your life, you must lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. Have you ever struggled with those words? Those are difficult words. And yet for Alexander Schmorl, he was so steeped in Jesus' death and resurrection that he was free, I think, to discover the meaning of those words. That he could give his life completely and live out of the narrative of Jesus Christ. I got to say, I want to live like that. I really do. I want to live with that kind of freedom. And the stories, the stories of the Christian martyrs inspire us to live that kind of freedom out of the narrative of Jesus' death and resurrection. The very first Christian martyr, Stephen. We are going to be reading all of Acts chapter 6 and then just a little portion of Acts chapter 7. And I am going to lead us in prayer before we listen to God's word. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to hear you speak to us today, this date, July 16, 2017. That we would hear you, that we would be steeped in your narrative, that we would be set free to live in you, out of you, like you, by your spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, listen to God's word to you. Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists, and that means the Greek-speaking ones, complained against the Hebrews, who spoke a different language, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, You know, it's not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. But what they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Well, the word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Stephen full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia, they stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. So then they secretly instigated some men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. And then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, 
this man never stops saying things against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Then the high priest asked him, are these things so? And Stephen proceeds to respond and to give a very long speech in chapter 7, which I am not going to read, but it is a rehearsal of God's action in the world through the Hebrew people, God's faithfulness, and yet the people's unfaithfulness and disobedience. Then moving to the end of chapter 7, let's see, picking it up at 51, all the way, it's a long chapter. He says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You are the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout, they all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. This is the gift of God's word. Wow. Yeah. You know, the whole book of Acts is amazing. But even in the book of Acts, this story is amazing. Stephen, so full of the spirit of Jesus. Did you notice how many times we heard the word full? Full of the spirit, the life of Jesus Christ. He's so steeped in who Jesus is, in his being. And even the way he lives and dies, the false accusations against him, the way he prays at the end, it's like we're actually hearing Jesus alive in him. And the thing that is so striking to me about Stephen, as I hear him story and what makes me lean in and want to be like that, is how free he was. He was free to be a compassionate servant. Here's this man doing amazing signs and wonders, and he steps up, I'll wait on the tables, I'll serve the widows, I'm sure that was probably the least desired job in the church. I'll do that. He was free to serve and be generous. He was free to speak truth to power. That was not easy. He was standing before the Sanhedrin. He rehearses the whole story, but then he just lashes out. This is you. Holds up the mirror. This is you. But he was free to do that. He was also free to forgive. 
while they are stoning him to death. Please, Lord, don't hold this against them. Wow. That's unbelievable. Free to give his life. My goal is that by the end of my life, I've given everything away, including myself. That's my goal. I want to be that free. You know, St. Ignatius calls this holy indifference. This is a certain school. He wrote the spiritual exercises. Many people are shaped and formed in their life of discernment and prayer by the Ignatian exercises. And I have been. It's been a powerful uh, resource for me. So the founding principle, the first and founding principle in Ignatian spirituality is called holy indifference, which doesn't mean I don't care. It means that you are completely open to whatever God's will is for you and indifferent to everything else. Spiritual exercises, he says, we should not prefer health to sickness, riches to poverty, honor to dishonor, or a long life to a short. But we are totally open to the will of God in our lives. Whatever God wills for me, I will go for that with all my energy and all of who I am. As the poet Dante expressed, in God's will is our peace. That takes a lot of maturity to get to that place. It seems impossible. And these stories, they help us see that, no, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. The life of Jesus is alive in us, ordinary people living out of this narrative of death and resurrection. There's a man named Stephen that I found out about through a book that Lee Yah gave to me. I don't know if some of you met Lee Yah. She worshipped here for a while uh, from China, uh, went to our women's retreat. She went away to school in Texas, and now she's actually serving on the mission field in Africa. She was here a few weeks ago, and she wanted to thank this congregation, so she gave us this book. Dear brothers and sisters in Trinity, thank you for supporting me to go to Africa. This book is a real story about missions in Africa. I met the writer of this book in my program. Hope you will enjoy her, her um, touching story. Li Ya from China, June 2017. Well, unfortunately, I didn't even look at that until after Li Ya left. And I, lift, I picked up this book last week, and I'm like, oh my gosh. The title of this book is We Died Before We Came Here. It's written by Emily Foreman, the wife of Stephen Foreman. And when they first met... She describes their first date that he handed her Fox's Book of Martyrs. First date. Fox's Book of Martyrs, which she described as a daunting volume that chronicles the persecution and the suffering of Christians throughout the century, starting with the biblical account of the Apostle Stephen. And he said, I feel that it's only fair that you understand my level of commitment to God and his call upon my life to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And he said, no matter what the cost. So she's like, okay. But it wasn't until five years into their marriage, after they had three children, that they really began to discover what that was. When God led them to a, a country in northern Africa, on the continent of Africa, where Christianity was illegal, a Muslim country, and yet God led them there. And eventually, Muslim extremists took his life. Stephen Foreman died. She 
continued on and continues on to this day and wrote a book about their story, which I'm only about a third of the way through. But the striking thing is the title of this book, We Died Before We Came Here, is taken from this passage by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.20 where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. They were living in and out of the narrative of Jesus Christ, and they had this freedom to hold their lives lightly. Paul writes again in Romans 6, you know, all of us who have been baptized... We have been buried with Jesus into his death, and we have been raised to new life, to live that new life that Jesus has lived. All of us. You know, we live differently the closer we live in and out of the narrative of Jesus Christ. That intimacy with Jesus will fill us with his Holy Spirit And it will fill us with this freedom to be compassionate servants, serving food to widows, doing the least favorite things, because we're free. We don't need to just protect ourselves and our interests. Free to be bold truth-tellers. The need is great, just as great today as it was in 1943, for us to speak truth to power, free to forgive our enemies, not letting hate take over, free to give ourselves away. And I think we're tempted to think, okay, well, okay, that, that makes sense 2,000 years ago with Stephen and the apostles living during Jesus' day. Or that makes sense for young idealists like Alexander Schmornall, and, and, you know, he's just this idealist living out his passion We kind of can be like that in our 20s. Maybe, you know, that makes sense for single people who don't have children. And yet you look at Stephen and Emily Foreman. Maybe it's for those who want to go on the mission field to Africa, like Leah. But not us. Friends, we're all on a mission field. Wherever we are, every single day day, wherever we live, in our neighborhoods, in our work, wherever we are, we're on a mission field, and we have all been baptized in Jesus Christ. We all have been crucified and gone down into a death, the same death he died to everything that has kept us from our true life and true identity and God's love. We have been raised to a new life, all of us. And it comes from Jesus' spirit alive in us. It's an intimacy. It's a walking daily. Alexander Schmorl, he walked daily. They said that he had a Bible in his hand, worship every Sunday. It came out of his life in Christ, Christ alive in him, Stephen, full, full, full of the narrative of Jesus Christ. If you would save your life, you must lose it. And if you lose your life for my sake, you will save it, and you'll be free. Many of you know that I'm beginning a 12-week sabbatical tomorrow, 
Thank you, Trinity. This is an amazing gift that you give to your pastors every seven years. It's awesome. And one of the things that I'm going to do is walk a pilgrimage route in northern Spain called the Camino del Compostela. Camino del Santiago. Anyway, there's many names for it. But it is a pilgrimage route that has been walked by thousands and thousands of people who, for the last thousand years plus, decided that if they would get up and leave their familiar home and safe place and move out, sometimes toward Jerusalem, sometimes toward Rome, sometimes toward Compostela in Spain, that it would help them live into this dying and rising with Jesus. They would have to basically strip themselves in that walking away from the familiar, walking away from their life, and prayerfully depend on God every day. That was the purpose of a pilgrimage, to live into our dying and rising and to strip ourselves. Now, I'm doing it in a very comfortable fashion. I can't say that it's going to be like the other pilgrimage people have done. But I still long for this. I long for this freedom. I long for this maturity. And it's not going to come from just longing for it. It's going to come from the intimacy. Living in the narrative of Jesus Christ, living out of that narrative. And the Holy Spirit, the very spirit of Jesus alive, filling me. It is my prayer for myself. It is my prayer for us. Because that's what maturity looks like. Not that we want to go die. I'm not longing for a guillotine. But I'm longing for the freedom that comes from living in and out of the narrative of, of his death and resurrection. So I'm going to invite all the musicians to come up now because we're going to sing, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And this is just the perfect response and prayer as we hear the story of Stephen and Alexander Schmorl and Stephen Foreman. Please stand. <laughs> 